Welcome to the Theories of Change podcast, a series of conversations amongst young Africans who are committed to the development of the continent in a meaningful way. My name is Ola Doing, and I am one of your hosts. And during the episode, you will meet my co-host, Kristen, and our guest on the show. So, hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast called Theories of Change. So, Theories of Change is hosted by me, Kristen, and my partner, Ola Doing Phillips, who also acts as the moderator of the discussion and as a stand-in for the audience when um, myself and the guests that we're having on the show get carried away. So this week, um, we're talking about um, patriotism um, slash citizenship as a theory of change. So a theory of change is kind of a framework for planning, evaluating, implementing any sort of like desired progress or, or change um, within a system. Um, and so the idea here is that we want to understand how citizenship, right? So like active citizenship um, or patriotism, which sort of, I guess, concedes the validity of a nation state framework um, can be a useful theory of change for Africa. Um, and the reason we're interested in theories of change is because we believe that change is needed to move the continent forward. Um, and we're interested in change that affects more people rather than less people um, in a positive way. Okay, thank you, Kristen, my co-host. Have we finished our introduction? Yes, ma'am. Okay, hi, Afi. Nice to meet hi. you. Nice to see you. I see you're living your best life here. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing, I'm wearing sunglasses indoors, you know. Oh, yeah, it's and really Kristen you also is, is trying to tell us that she too should give you her best life. I don't know if you know the, the theme of, of the look I'm going for, but if you see behind me, there's a boat whizzing to pick us up from boat club so we can go to Ilasha. I'm crying. <laughs> and, and, you know, I've got the sunny, the basketball jersey. Or yeah. I'm just ready for the beach, so we can go and have a deep discussion. So you know, there's no, there's no, there's no corona in Glasgow after all. So <laughs> thanks. Okay, Abby. So before we start, um, now, that we know, now that we know what we're talking about, can you please introduce yourself to us? And also in that introduction, let us understand why it is that you are sort of like an interesting person for us to speak to about citizenship and wow, that's a lot of pressure <laughs> i said interesting I didn't like say why are you interesting <laughs> yeah why am i interesting um, i mean just just be your authentic self that's what i was, I, I, I was gonna say I'm, I'm already wearing a basketball shirt and sunglasses i hope that would suffice <laughs> um um but yeah thank you for the for the pressure you know um when you're you're used to these things when you have regular discussions with ivy league uh, graduates so um i'm just here to be humble really so uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, my uh, so hi guys Etomi is my name i am interested in this stuff and i care about this stuff because i am nigerian and i think being nigerian nothing else should matter to anyone besides um coming up with a way to make our identity mean something because we know that you know our i feel like 
nation states and all these things are artificial constructs, but they are still useful vehicles for advancing like the good of a diverse group of people and preventing you know those sort of conflicts from spilling out so man i'm nigerian i care about it about it a lot i grew up in lagos my grandfather was a career civil servant in the um in the nigerian he was in the minister minister of finance he was permanent secretary uh in the 60s and 70s which was a pretty hot time to be involved in nigerian sort of public service and i feel like i'm in a sense, inspired by like his legacy um, because he was a civil servant in the Ministry of Finance who, as far as I know, didn't make a lot of money. Um, he lived a normal life uh, to, to a large degree. And I think we need public servants with that, you know, with that level of commitment um, to, to developing, yeah, what could be an interesting Nigeria. I've written about this stuff a little bit on stairs. So if you search my name on stairs, you will find um, a couple of articles I've written about citizenship and um, and about voting and about Nigerian identity. And, you know, I, yeah, I read about this stuff. I've read some interesting Nigerian books I want to speak to you guys about. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the discussion, guys. Thank you, Afiola. Um, that's what I'm calling you, because that's how Christine says your name. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, no, but it sounds really interesting. And I, I think that, I mean, I remember I, we, I was having a discussion with Kristen, it must have been last year, and she was talking about how there's no sort of, we don't really have this identity in, in like a meaningful way. So hearing you speak of, you know, yourself as a Nigerian and also sort of thinking about the perspective of a public servant, for me, I think is quite important to the kind of discussions that we want to have. So thank you very much for coming on here. Now, you, you I want to... You're welcome. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So I want to start this discussion by asking um, what might seem as a very basic question, but I think it's still important to ask, is what is patriotism and what is citizenship? Like, what are those two things? Or how do you understand them? And how does that sort of feed into then this approach you have to living your life as a Nigerian and as an African? Good questions uh, on patriotism and citizenship. I think to explain how I think I'm Nigerian, my father is from Edo State. My mother is from Kogi, Yoruba-speaking Kogi State. My stepfather is from Adamawa. And I grew up in Lagos and, you know, can get by on dodgy Yoruba and can eavesdrop on house conversations. And I think... In that sense, um, you know, my family has been in Kaduna, Ilori, Lagos, all sorts of parts of the country. And I've been lucky enough to go to 15, to visit 15 or 16 Nigerian states. And in that, in that sense, I feel like my Nigerian identity is, means something because I've experienced like the different elements or like, you know, the different like little ingredients that make up this big cocktail called Nigeria, right? And mm -hmm. Patriotism and citizenship for me are, you know, they're important things because although we, um, although we don't have, we have lots of like different units of, of social community, right? As people, we have religious communities, we have families as a small like primary social unit for human beings. We have other forms of institutions. There are clubs, there are all these things that you can be a part of. But I think nation states um 
are important and patriotism can be a really important driver because it pulls in all these disparate identities. I've, I remember watching this really interesting debate that said that, you know, nation states are amazing, uh, the best vehicles for collective identity because then you don't have to be just a Muslim. You don't have to be a Yoruba person or an Igbo person or a Tiv or ethnic person. You can be part of something bigger. And it's just a really useful umbrella, I think. And I think for that reason, patriotism is not for me or... It's not just, oh, I'll buy the fly Nike Nigerian jersey when it comes out. Or, you know, I will, you know, stand with Kid when he's in a video with Beyonce. I, I think that's actually, to some degree, can be quite problematic. <laughs> I think the, the patriotism and citizenship are just taking some form of social responsibility, uh, some form of personal responsibility for our collective good. So what you sh we should be thinking in the same way you think when you're part of a community, if you're sharing a flat or a house with friends or whatever, you should think on a more grand scale that what responsibilities do I have to this wider unit I'm a part of to make it better for everyone. So that, that's kind of how I see it. That's so interesting because we were just talking about Pan-Africanism like very recently on another yeah. episode. Um, and it feels like what you're saying is just kind of like a level down to what he's to to what Lolan was saying. So when we were talking about Pan Africanism, huh, my tongue, Pan Africanism, Lolan was 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 kind of really centering that um, identity as a black person and 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 really sort of fighting for our right to to be human, right, and to be looked mm -hmm. upon as human, and also that right to self actualization. So I think mm -hmm. you sort of framing it in this way where it's not even so much, you know, Nike, e, Jersey pride, but more um, that idea of responsibility and that idea of, of, of that collective good, I think sort of brings a very, <clears throat> sorry, a very interesting and useful perspective. So with that, um, I would like to ask Kristen what she thinks about this definition of patriotism and citizenship and what she has to say about that. Um, she should also feel free to play devil's advocate as is her normal status. <laughs> Unfair. Unfair. And I'm not even, and I'm not even trying to play devil's advocate here, um, Afi, but I do really want to ask that like, um, how seriously do you think we can take the nation state given the historical juncture that produces the, na the Nigerian nation state for instance? Oh, I knew, I knew you were going to call me out on that. Um, I, think, um, I think there are many... I think Nigeria is just one of many, many, many historical... Um, I was going to say historical accident, but I don't even think it was. I think fairly deliberate construct, but still, you know, it, it's still, as to anyone's guess, before the Berlin conference, um, you know, it, it was still anyone's, it's still, it was still fairly random. And in some cases, part of the country's fortunes that as in the, you know, the European country's fortunes that during the late 19th century and the early 20th century, when, you know, coloni colonization was a sort of an active, an active political capitalist, you know, activity. I just feel like, you know, Nigeria around us, there are 15 
West African countries, right? 15 members of ECOWAS, of which nine speak French, five speak English, and I think two speak Portuguese or something like that. And um, we could have been any of those, right? We could have been, you know, these things are really arbitrary. Like borders are arbitrary, you know, the people brought into, into groups are fairly arbitrary in the interest of people. And I, I think it's fair that some people think that that delegitimizes their countries because, you know, people drew lines on a map and, you know, based on their interests said, okay, yeah, you guys are this entity now and we will, this entity is for us to plunder. But I do still think that um, while the origins may not be great, almost like an unwanted pregnancy, you, it still doesn't mean that that child is not some, someone you have obligations to and can, you know, can, can and should be a positive influence on your life and, and on others. And I think in that sense, we, we are here with a country that we may not have designed ourselves, but it is the entity that we have. And we know from history that trying to restructure, reconstruct, recreate, secede, all these things never ends well. And, um, and diversity in and of itself, people say like, oh, that, that's a problem. But there are many, Brazil is incredibly diverse. Um, and so, so are a lot of other countries where there are actually multiple races you know, and religions within them, India, et cetera. And while I think diverse countries have a hard time, it still is a massive opportunity. And I think while we have, like, while we have a, yeah, we have a difficult origin story, which there's a really good book I'm looking forward to reading called Formation um, that's coming out about that. And I'll also talk about at some point about Shashare's book on, um, on Nigeria, which is, um, which is super interesting. Yeah, I'll talk about that. I just finished it. And yeah, but I think, I think for that reason, um, you know, it's something that we need to work with, um, nation states. And I think the benefits of working with them are, do still outweigh the costs of saying, oh, we should change them or give up on them or, you know, restructure them somehow. I actually really love this analogy of like an unwanted pregnancy, right? Um, because I think that it actually carries the import of the obligation um, really, really well. So if you didn't want to get pregnant, but now you're pregnant, and then you don't do the necessary thing of terminating, when you can't, then you sort of have an obligation to that child, right? Um, so I actually, I find that framework super helpful. So the question for me though then is, um, how do you think about patriotism um, and active citizenship um, as theories um, of change or as vehicles for change. Um, if we, so let's say that we take the nation state for granted as valid and we say that, okay, this is our country, um, we are these citizens, how does, this, how does it work? I think myths and heroes are really powerful in like developing, shaping, inspiring like national consciousness. And, you know, Christian, you are a little bit Ghanaian, aren't you? And, you know, having, you know, Kwame Nkrumah as the leading political figure of, you know, Ghanaian independence and the period just after that, um, and also someone who had, you know, is always credited with being, you know, Pan a sort of a Pan-African pioneer. I think 
having those figures is really, really important for countries because you can, because it's, it's, it's super inspiring. It's like, if you think about Cuba and how, you know, Che Guevara, um, you know, and even Fidel and all those guys were for, you know, you can say that for, for just for their own benefit, at least for the benefit of what they believed in, created this huge, like, myth, mythology around themselves and Che Guevara, especially after he died. And I think myths and, 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 and heroes are really powerful. And unfortunately, in Nigeria, we don't have many of those to look forward to because a lot of our heroes, quote unquote, A, were operating like, A, there were lots of them at the same time, or at least the sort of people who pushed for independence. B, they, none of them, I think, emerged really as a unifying and inspiring figure. That's actually a big problem. And I think that's one of the big reasons the first republic in Nigeria failed. Because, yeah, there was no, like, you know, I think they tried to make Zeke that when he was president, but to some degree, I don't think he really captured that essence and was able to unite the Sardona in um, Amadou Bello and, you know, and, and the, the West uh, together in the way that we would like. And I think in that sense, I think those are things that we need in Nigeria. And in the absence of that, we need to look for just, I guess, better ways to, to come up with, you know, ways to be um, active citizens and patriotic i think i would separate those two things so i would say with patriotism i think patriotism can be sometimes an empty context and applied and which is why i brought up the jersey thing a bit too frivolously and liberally like oh it's about supporting your country in the world cup so all those things are well and good but um i think patriotism in and of itself is not as helpful as active citizenship because active citizenship is, 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 I think, the more important thing to think about where we know that we have, as, active, as, as citizens of a state, the key difference between being citizens and subjects as countries would have been, you know, as people would have been in imperial or in, pre- in colonial eras, is that as citizens, it means that we participate. Citizenship is effectively you know, saying that being part of this community means that you're participating as a citizen. Citizen, You have rights and also those rights come with, those increased rights that come with citizenship come with, you know, ways in which we should participate. We should be participating in, you know, choosing the people who lead, the places we're part of, but also like just participating in, in, in shaping what we, we want the future of our place to be like and because we don't have many i think it's actually really hard for us in nigeria because we just don't have that many examples but there are good books like making nigeria um the shupo shashare's book that highlights the everyday heroes of nigerian from 1906 to 1960 that there were so many heroes that we don't even know about um some we do like you know from and some kuti um great example but some we don't. And yeah, there are a few. Do you guys know about the story of um, the, the women's uh, revolts and riots that happened in a lot of South, South and Southeastern Nigeria during the imperial yeah, era? I think the other women's riot is the most famous one, but there were so many of them. Yeah. Hmm. Afi, you're muted. There were so many of them. Thanks. So many of them. I have great conference call etiquette. So 
Um, so I, I might be muted half the time. But yeah, no, there's so many, there's so many of them. And the stories was around women, especially women who were active in like markets, I mean, the, the markets um, move like active trading. So even in Lagos, there was a lady called, um, I think her name is Kwelewura, who was um, incredibly active politically and really campaigned hard against like some of the onerous taxation that the imperial government tried to force down you know the traders and the women and you know she even partnered and won the respect of herbert macaulay at the time you know who supported a lot of her efforts to push back on on some of these onerous you know taxes and it happened in a lot of south in the southwest and especially in south south and southeastern nigeria and we need to tell these stories so much more about how they effectively were prepared to die in how they protested, in how they went to speak to the, these white people that were seen by some others as, 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 or we think that people saw them as gods, but no, people saw their fallibility and Nigerians questioned their, their, their ideas and stood up for themselves. And those stories, I think we need to tell so much more in Nollywood and in documentaries to show, to give Nigerians hope that we have the power and the consciousness to be actively, you know, actively like shape things and to influence things. Because I think that's power that Nigerians, maybe because of military rule, feel like we've lost or we don't have. And from going from colonialism to military rule for most of our, our national life, I think has been very traumatizing and makes a lot of people feel powerless. But we have a lot of power. We've always had it. Yeah, I, really, I, I totally agree with what you're saying because I find that a lot of the conversations we have at home or among friends, there's this sense of hopelessness and frustration. And it's like, so even, even let me say, with the privileged class, it's like, and I was telling, talking to Kristen, we were just saying how it's like we're living under a tyranny and we don't, we don't know, not that we don't have, but we don't even know... Um, the examples that we can learn from to say, actually, I'm not, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, yeah. Like just know. And I think having those examples, as you said, is very important, but apart from that, what do you think? So, so to people for sort of listening to this now, um, and apart from educating themselves, what do you think people should be doing? Or like, let me even, let me even make it personal. What do you, since you are since you educate yourself right and you make the effort to read and 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 to look at models that you can can um have as an example are there things that you actively do to to be this active active citizen that you describe and how can someone like me or someone sitting at in their house just normally um become a part of or like start to sort of act in this way if that makes any sense that's a, yeah that's a good question i think there are um i think there are three broad things that nigerians especially um should do to to be more active citizens i think um i would broadly like have if i had like a three-part framework i would say one one, the first one would be educate, educate, 
educate, so educate ourselves to um, participate. And then the third is advocate. So I would say within the education side, um, you know, on YouTube, there are a few interesting documentaries on the history of the country and all these things. So it's low effort. Like we should watch them. We should try and read where we can. We should try and get together with other people who care about these things and have these discussions and educate ourselves. And, and I think from learning about ourselves and our story, I think it, it, gives, us, it gives us a lot and it gives us, um, I think, a framework to think through the problem, problems we go through today, but also, as I said, some inspiration to think about how you know, we can overcome these things. So that's the education part. The um, participation part is the very at the most basic level we need to definitely try to vote if we're especially based in nigeria and um i voted in the last two elections and you know, i remember the first time when i voted in like in 2015 the buhari election um, and at the time not many of the guys our age who are doing nyse and stuff had pvcs and you know, people were talking about the elections on Twitter, but more as like theater, <laughs> which we all know Nigerian, Nigerian politics can be theatrical and comic. Like, you know, all I'm doing, off your mic, off your mic. Like, so, um, <laughs> so yeah, so the, um, so we need to, we need to participate in those ways. One, definitely, definitely get our PVCs and votes. It can be super stressful, but there's so much power, I think, that we get psychologically from being able to go there and participate. And I've seen that because of the Nigerians who grew up in, you know, military times. I remember watching my uncle, we went to get our PVCs together and I remember seeing him vote. He flew back from South Africa to vote because he was so excited that for the first time in his life, he can actually vote in a Nigerian election. And it, it showed because most of his life, most of his, you know, of, of his childhood was all military and, you know, you couldn't really talk about politics or maybe does Abacha have SSS people around? And, and yeah, you could get taken away just from, you know, just chatting about politics in the curriculum. So voting is powerful and we need to use that in, in, the, in the way that we can really to get people with sense through, through in the door because, you know, I know there are many things people say that, oh yeah, but there are more people who are influenced by a bag of rice than you know, than by policy. But if you if you don't vote because of that, then you're never gonna you're never gonna be able to influence the process anyway. The solution to everything is just to vote. So so I think that that level of participation is fine. I think alongside voting, there are obviously deeper levels of participation. I will never encourage anybody to con. I used to be on team like oh, I'm not doing like you should contest elections. You're smart. You're you know, you're smart, you're funny, you're good looking, you have good ideas on how, nah, 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 nah. I read Aisha Osori's book on love does not win elections. And honestly, that book has completely changed my perspective. I am traumatized, like second hand, second hand trauma. Like, yeah, so I, I, I used to be like, oh, everybody should participate, run for office. But right now, that thing is the the amount of money you spend to go and spend and to go and you know interact with people who do not value your qualification or your education 
in and of itself. That one is just for your pockets. They were looking at her. Oh, so you went to Harvard. Oh, is it the Harvard? Oh, okay. And obviously, we shouldn't elect people because they went to a good school. But the just the extent to which those things do not count for anything in that in the real political arena are actually quite scary. And your all that stuff is for your pocket, man. And the system, especially because of how corrupt political parties are globally, really, and how the um, political parties really are often bad vehicles for unearthing, you know, good candidates. And you know, there's a lot of money that is changing hands, and there's a lot of incumbents trying to swing the elections. There's a lot of who the president wants to be. It's crazy, and the primaries don't even happen. My uncle ran for primaries. I'll tell you guys the story later, but <laughs> I. <laughs> alongside voting there are there are things that we could do maybe trying to fundraise and to support candidates who actually have sense the few candidates that we can identify and say this person is actually trying to change something we need to try and find ways to fund to to support their campaign with money and then three um um so that's on the participation side and then finally on the advocation side that's where we have a lot of work to do in nigeria we have a lot of campaigns to fight whether it's to campaign for diaspora voting which i think will really help nigeria because right now we have nigeria gets more money back from its citizens in the diaspora than it does from oil and um it's crazy and nigerians diaspora can't participate why the that that is something to campaign for there are many other things to campaign for around you know um we probably need more a more unified opposition force to the two main parties. Um, we need, we need, and we need to find a way to get, you know, that that whole sort of thing united for the long term, so that we can actually get more sensible people into power. We need to change things around, like the the nature of just the structure of of government. There are just many things we need to advocate for in Nigeria. Many, many things, and this, and then obviously all the things around women's rights that we need to advocate for around, you know, many things. So I think even if you're not interested in running for office because it's a crazy thing to do in Nigeria and, you know, you should be strong and be prepared to spend your money, you should at least try and vote and find ways to advocate for because there are many great organizations doing amazing things, um, whether it's on trying to get more women into office or whether the organizations that are, you know, helping to reduce maternal mortality like iron and all these kinds of things, right? And infant mortality. And we should find ways to advocate and support those people with money. So I think those are like the three things we should be doing in Nigeria. Educate yourself, participate, vote, and 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 um, and then finally advocate. Thank you. But okay, I have a follow up question from that. Sure. Um, so I, I hear you in terms of the participation and the advocacy, um, and obviously educating yourself is that even yeah, that's very clear and goes without saying. But when it comes to the participating part, um, it's it's sort of like you're participating in a system that is flawed. How does how does that work? Because, um. I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to vote. And I think maybe just even for, from that element of even just the mindset of it's my responsibility to, to be a part of this. So there's that. But then there is now the reality of what the political system is or is not. And how do we then um, 
how do we then kind of figure out the two? So am I just voting for voting sake? How, how am I? And, and this is why I feel like people end up not voting. Like it's not, I don't think that's the right response. I do, like, don't get me wrong, but there's a flawed system. So is it not that maybe we need to be talking about how to, to fix the system somehow? as opposed to just continuing to buy into it or play into it. I don't know. Kristen. You're so right, yeah. man, because systems, yeah, because systems are systems are so much more powerful than people. And the reading that um, Aisha Sorry's book, that was one of the key takeaways to me, um, that, that systems are super, super powerful. And the incentives created by a system and the reward structure of a system where you know, means that no matter who you are and what your moral code is or what you care about, when you're operating within a system, it's what that system rewards and punishes that would govern your behavior. And there's, I, I did a lot of work on systems thinking. Um, I've done a lot of work with systems thinking um, as, a, as a tool to transform. Um, in, in that case, it was like a private sector project, but there are ways in which I think systems thinking could really, really help us to think through and reimagine how a lot of our systems work, political and, and, and others, justice, all these things. Um, I think you're right that I think we need to start by participating in the flood system, I think, because while that is one of the you know things people say that, ah, man, like, what's the point of voting? We already know who is going to win, all these things. I think that we just need to start by participating because when we find the candidates that still... Um, there are two, two messages we need to send. One, to, we need to send messages to the political class that we are watching and we, are, we have the capacity to vote them out if they are not performing. I think that is ultimately one of the most powerful levers in a democratic system to, to show just that we're watching out in numbers. We will mobilize to, we'll mobilize to kick you out because those guys want to keep themselves in power. So we will mobilize to kick you out if you're not performing. And I think that is one of the first ways to start to shift the system from where it is now to a more virtuous one, where they know that they have to serve the interests of people because those people will mobilize in numbers. So for every single one individual that doesn't vote, they, they are taking away the power of all of us and their own power to send that really important message that actually helps to improve the system. So that's one thing. I think the second thing we need to do is vote for people with that framework that you've just come up with so cleverly or doing, which is the person who is talking about the person who's talking about the reform candidate who is not just talking about how I'm going to give you light and water. Mm-mm, you're not going to give me life and water. That, that light and water problems are bigger than you. So I actually don't need you to promise me light and water because you can't even deliver it in four years. So we need somebody and we need a group of people who are talking about turning the ship around and changing the system. Because when we change the system, we will then start to enable, you know, infrastructure and all these things will be in a more better functioning system. Basically those things will be more easy to deliver because the system has changed. So we actually, it's actually really important where, the political candidate we should all quit our jobs to go and work for is the one who 
is talking like big, the, the really big talk around changing the system because it's more boring than saying, I'll give you light and rice and water but it's a different system that will give us different outcomes. Like to say, we can't keep doing the same thing and expecting. But isn't that what Buhari did? I was about to say, right, that what do you, how do you respond to the Buhari thing, right? Because I think that um, to, to your point about creating a more virtual system and showing people in power that, you know what, we can mobilize to get you out. That's exactly what 2015 was, right? It was people mobilizing to say that we reject the system and we want to change it. And the result is catastrophic, right? It's really because, bad. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the result is catastrophic, not because maybe Buhari necessarily was such a bad choice, but because maybe I think there was a deeply held misunderstanding of how flawed the system is, yep. right? So, to, to, to sort of push the envelope a little bit. Um, what I'm wondering, right, is, is really active citizenship going to solve problems or is it only going to exacerbate problems like it has in our case? Is what we need maybe active anarchy? Is what we need maybe, you know, a, a dedication to like undoing and um, completely dismantling these systems? You know, is what we need something that is super um, the state, right, like pan-Africanism um, that creates other vehicles for mm -hmm. accountability, right, so that um, yeah. what happens is that the AU can sit on, you know, our necks and say, look, this is nonsense, this doesn't work, we're not allowing you to do it, and the citizens can rally behind this sort of, like, supranational vehicle because it actually has teeth, or do we even opt for something more anarchist than just like break all the buildings and burn all the rich, right? Like what is, because I, I don't know, like how do you respond to the critique of, okay, Nigerian youth tried this into- Okay, 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 okay. So fly for the Wi-Fi. So um, I was saying that um, those are really, really, really deep questions. And I think what happened in 2015 is that we got sold the biggest dummy in like history. And that big dummy is, the the is basically like some big fallacy or it's just the biggest lie in nigerian political history really let's not even say fallacy they lie the biggest lie is that the problem with nigeria is corruption that's just a big lie i think the problem with nigeria is lack of i think the problem with nigeria is lack of visionary leadership very lack of accountability I think it's lack and, of and rule of law. I think lack of visionary leadership. I think that is the fundamental problem, because with a with leadership with the with the leadership that has a very very clear vision that has been that is that is clear that is that they sell to people, then then we would be on a path. Whilst we're on that path, we will need to fix certain things like accountability, like, you know, as you're saying, um, rule of law, all these things. We need to fix those things because, you know, obviously those things do not help a virtuous system. But the fact that we don't have a clear leader and what, and what I mean by clear visionary leadership is somebody with a really clear sense of what does a good Nigeria look like? in 15 years 
like what does a good Nigerian look like in some like with some depth as opposed to there will be light and water and no corruption because all those things are things that to some degree are red herrings and when you spend your time attacking symptoms as you guys know and not actual problems then nothing is going to happen but i think that problem is clear visionary leadership and and probably just a and broken pipelines i think because the pipelines um that should maybe allow people with that clear leadership or clear visionary leadership to emerge as leaders or as candidates don't really work and don't get those people there so i think those are the things that need to happen but alongside that that's why we in 2015 we got caught up in this anti-corruption narrative of course we know corruption is bad of course we know that you know it means that certain you know bits of money are, are misappropriated and things but the problem is that in the first place like the fundamental question we should be asking yourself we should vote for a candidate who has a very clear sense of this is how i'm going to raise our national income as in and this is how we as a state are going to generate and this this government is trying a little bit but generate more revenue as a government but also this is just how we're going to grow the economy let's grow the slice of this pie and then whilst we're growing the slice of the pie we can have the debates and the anti-corruption fight to make sure the pie is not being stolen by a few people but when there is no pie <laughs> there is no there's really nothing so these are the I feel like I used to have this position, right? And then over the last six months, I've done a lot of government level projects. And honestly, now I completely agree. Because I had. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Tell me why. Okay, and Kristen is going to tell us why. Um, she thinks she feels that way in the next part of our patriotism slash citizenship episode. This is Theories of Change. Stay tuned for the next part.